shit, shit, shit show. It's a fucking shit show. Shit show. Welcome back to Shit Show Saturday. And today we are joined by Brian number one. Yes, Brian number one is on Shit Show Saturday today. I'm joking. <laughs> That's kind of a cruel joke. That's like a cruel joke. We are Everybody talking to a Brian. We're talking to a Brian, but we're not talking about Brian number one. Uh, we're talking about Brian with a Y. Both Brian number one and Brian number two are Brian's with eyes. So this is Brian with a Y number one. What's going on? <laughs> tell me about, t- say what you texted me earlier. So, yeah, I was on this other group yesterday. And was what was talking, it? Like an ACA group or a what group? Uh, men's support group. And um, it's talking about, hey, I'm going to be doing this uh, interview for a podcast. And somebody was like, is that is that adult child podcast? Yeah. And like, oh, that's cool. And then he's like, that saved my life. And he was like, wait a minute. Are you one of the Bryans from the tale of two Bryans? I was like, <laughs> so good. No, no, no. <laughs> well, Brian Kirk. Hopefully, what do you say? His name is Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Kirk. Join the damn Patreon if you haven't. <laughs> if I saved your life, throw me five bucks. Um, okay. So, song. What do you want played? Life in the fast lane. Mm. Eagles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We should do the Brian song. Remember that? Did you hear that? It's like from Mighty Python. Python. It's the in, life of Brian. Yeah, it's in the, my very first episode. Yeah. Oh, geez. It's, that's a gem. Okay, so carb. Uh, anything Italian. I had carbonara last night, and it's like a toss-up between fettuccine alfredo and carbonara. If I see it on a menu when I go to a new place, it's like I got to get Always. that. Lots of, lots of butter and oil. Okay, so then um, dessert, or sorry, not dessert, condiment. Condiment. Uh, ever been to Red Robin? Have you, uh, so they have this campfire sauce, and it's basically 50-50 mix of barbecue sauce and mayonnaise. Okay, what's it called? Uh, they call it campfire sauce. Campfire. Huh, I'll have to try that shit out. Oh, my God. I, so I like barbecue and ranch mixed together. I haven't tried that. It's good. Okay. How about what's the worst first date you've ever been on? Oh man. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> well, hopefully someone that ends up listening to this podcast. It was went on a date. Um, she wanted to stay over after, and then I was just like made this short quip that kind of got under my skin and I was like, you know what? I'm not feeling it. And then she stayed in my driveway for about 45 minutes, called um, 22 times, texted seven times. Please just let me come in. I'll sleep on the cold hardwood floor here. Just let me in. I turned the front lights off and was like, you need to leave or I will call the police. Poor girl. I know, I know. God. <laughs> yeah. I could have I could I would do something like that. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe yeah, it was like not. my best friend's wife's good friend. And I was just like, yeah, I don't 
ever want to see her. And then uh, they were they were engaged at the time. And then she was one of the bridesmaids, and I was you know one of the groomsmen. And like I'm like, please don't let me stand next to her. <laughs> well, did anything after that? Once you told her you were going to call the cops, did she bother you anymore? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor girl. That was me. So um, lame. <laughs> yeah. It was just, you know, I hope she gets some sort of help. <laughs> so you've been sober for how long? Six, uh, years? six and a half years. Okay. And when did you learn the term adult child? When did you realize you were an adult child? I had a friend in AA and he had gone to a lot of meetings and said that it was like one of the best things that he ever did. He still goes to AA and, um, you know, we had talked about it. So I learned about it a long time ago and through therapy over the years, it's kind of was brought up by a therapist. It's like, you know, your problem started before you were born. And I was just like, I don't get it. Like, what does that mean? Like, you know, your parents, Brian, it's like, it, it went without saying, and I never, it took me a long time to understand it. So, um, you know, it's been exposed to me and it's like more prevalent now. And this is something that I'm like starting to dive into here. What what would you say was an adult child bottom, like the most painful? Has God. there been one? I mean, I, I'm still like learning a lot about this, right? And then I'm reading, started reading all of the um, the laundry list and all of that. And I'm just like, there are so many situations in there and things that have happened in life and how I've handled relationships in the past myself and places I've taken myself to. It's just completely demoralizing and everything that was like, so... So what, what occurred for you to finally start doing more of the work this time now? Um, yeah, more, a most recent bottom, I think with a relationship that kind of, uh, really put a lot into perspective, uh, with life and things I've been avoiding or not addressing for years that has came out of a result of this. Well, you know, you have to go into more detail than that. Uh, what the fuck happened don't give me that shit yeah so i um gosh you know i've had i was sober in aa for eight years i chased after a relationship you know um at that point i chased after a relationship with somebody i moved from new jersey to san diego i was miserable at life i'd never left my hometown um so this will kind of explain a few of the situations. I uh, was in a relationship with somebody that I always like, she's way out of my league. This is too much for me. Her parent, family's too healthy. Like, oh my God, the parents kiss the kids on the cheek. But who the fuck does that? Are they getting molested? You know, those are all thoughts going on in my head. Like, how can they have this kind of physical intimacy? Isn't that illegal? You know, because this <laughs> is not incest. Yeah, isn't that incest or something? Like, oh my god, they're touching their kids, you know. <laughs> so this I had this relationship, and this girl would go to bat for me all the time. Brian, you need to leave the family business, you need to get away from there. You're capable of so much more. And it was like, screw you, like I I you know, you're so good to me, but I don't deserve you. And then finally she had enough. So I, and I was just sick and tired of my life there in uh, family business and everything. So I packed up, moved out West to San Diego and um, I got my ass in gear with AA. And then I'm like, I'm going to do steps again. I'm going to, you know, 
get to the amends and then I'm going to get her back. And, you know, so I tried to reach out to get an amends. And at that point, the bridge was burned so badly. It's like, I don't want to hear from you ever again. And like, leave me alone. Um, and then, uh, you know, I had just started a new job. I got flown out to North Carolina. And then uh, that was when we were messaging back and forth. And then I got on an airplane I was so mad. I'm like, I just did all this work. I just moved mm-hmm. to the country. How dare her? You know, and I, I went through the steps. And so I went through the steps at that point, basically for her um, to try and get her back, not for me. Mm-hmm. You know? And then I'm on an airplane and then I see the drink cart coming and I like lean over, mm-hmm. like on my armrest in the aisle seat, looking at the drink cart. And I'm like, get a water, get a water, get a water. And then that other, that devil on my shoulder was like, there's no zip code up here. No one's Yeah, it doesn't matter. fucking count. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You're in the air. It's not relapsing on land. So then the drink cart comes in. I'm like, but I already flipped through the thing in the back of the seat, like the sky breeze, pink lemonade. And I'm like, pink lemonade? I love pink lemonade. It, well, yeah, I don't think people realize that actually vodka um, at a 10,000 foot uh, or higher is turns into water. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's, it's, a, it's a scientific equation. But then when the plane descends, you get drunk. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I got the sky breeze. And I just remember that sense of ease and comfort that came over me. My head finally slowed down. All those thoughts went away. And then as soon as I get to the airport, I'm tipsy. I forget my bag at the baggage claim while I'm calling a taxi. Then I go get my bag. And then mm-hmm. I get in the taxi. I'm like, screw it. I relapsed. So, and I'm like, take me to the closest um, gas station. And I'm like, I've never had four loco before. Let me get some Jägermeister. Let me get this. Just like grabbed everything I could and then went home and got completely obliterated. And then the next day I woke up hungover and I hadn't felt that in eight years. And I was just like, oh my God, that just happened. And like I cried and went to meetings, called my sponsor and all this stuff. And, And then it was just like, Ah, screw it. I pulled the plug. I'm just going to keep doing this. Um, How long were you um, out for? uh, Two and a half years. Okay. Um, And so when you finally drank, I think about this, me and my friend were talking about how if like you were, if she was to relapse, she would just like go out there and just, you know, have some fun, you know, have some fun drinking for a while. And I was saying for me, I don't think it would be be fun. Like, I don't, I don't think even the first time would be fun. Mm -hmm. I feel like I would just be so like the guilt, you know, and like of what you just did. I just feel like it would be, I wouldn't enjoy it. What was it like for you? I mean, I got sober from drugs and alcohol and, um, when I was 19, so, and I went to the Meadows, which had a strong focus on codependency and did a lot of work in those regards. But then like when I was in my mid twenties, I felt like I was robbed of my twenties. So I had that reservation there that was always in the back of my mind That's where I was just like, you know what, I've been trying to live this good life for no so long. And then like mm, yeah, see. coming my way and screw it. I'm going to live the life that I missed out on because mm, mm-hmm. I had that reservation there. Um, I wasn't willing to accept that. I wasn't willing to do the work in AA because I was just like, mm-hmm. I, I'm, how could this be? How could I have a part in it? I was only 19, you know, mm-hmm. kind of my mm-hmm. 
I hear you. Um, okay. So just talk about this most recent relationship. Yeah. Fast forward, that job transferred me back to the Northeast. I was in, uh, I got sober again and then waited a little while, got into a relationship with a wonderful girl. Ken loved me, cared for me. The pandemic hit, stopped going to meetings, start acting out like a dry drunk. Um, you know, me and this girl met in Ohio, then we moved out to Berkeley. I copped the resentment because she got into UC Berkeley Law School. Um, and then she had her master's in law from Europe, and then she got into UC Berkeley. She never told me she applied, and I was like, well, screw you. I never wanted to go to freaking California again. And uh, <laughs> the relationship was over pretty much before we moved out, and um, her sister passed away. And then I felt horrible. I'm like, I can't leave her like when she moves to California. And then I was out of work at the time. So the only opportunity I had that came up was back in California. I was like, well, I guess I'm going. I don't want to. And I don't want to like be in this relationship. So moved out. We were living together. There was no physical intimacy the last year of our relationship. And I was doing everything I could do to stay out of town. And when I was staying out of town, I just got back on the dating apps, you know, Selfishly didn't remove myself from that relationship. Um, so I was just out of town in hotels and stuff, got on dating apps. And then I met met a few people. And then I met someone that was just like the mirror mirror image of me. And um, so it was just this like super high level of identification there. Like just everything we could talk about, anything, like a level of intimacy and vulnerability that I hadn't experienced with anyone in a long time. So, mm, mm. It, but it was looking back more of a trauma bond now. Um, so that happened. Um, I finally moved out of the house, out of that apartment, got another job. But then that relationship, like we lived seven hours apart, cut it off because of the distance. A few months later, reconnected. We're messaging for a few months talking about meeting up. You know, I got laid off from work 2021. So, I was back east working at the family business again to stay busy and generate some sort of income, still keeping my place in California, messaging her again. And then I came back out to California. We were planning on meeting up and I got this text message like, hey, I really appreciate our friendship. You can come down here. We can get lunch, but you can't stay over my place. And then I was like, uh. what the fuck? You know, and I was just like, you know what, if if there's something else going on, I don't want to come down to offend or uh, piss off anyone. And then she was just like, yeah, something like that. But then I finally was just like, I I'm done. I'm moving back east. I'm not going to try to keep applying jobs here. So I moved back east. A couple months go by. I dated a couple more times. I ended up going on a date with this oh, girl. Um, Geez, relation. I have a lot of relationship issues. It's a girl. She had two kids. She said she was divorced, but um, truth was the divorce wasn't finalized. So I was like helping her out when she was sick, watching her kids, and the father picked up the kids. And then she finally got on. And she's like, "So my divorce isn't over yet." And then, so that ended. And then I'm there. It's like three in, or four in the morning in New Jersey, and I get a text message from out here. Um, Hey, I don't know where you are, what time it is, if it's early or late, but I'd like to make an apology to you if you're open to it. Hope you're staying safe. And I was like, I waited a day on it to respond. Uh, and then I was like, I'm open to it. It's good to hear from you. Who was it that sent you the text? 
The one with the daddy issues, um, like no. the divorced one, the <laughs> the one that was your soulmate. Which one are we talking about? Yeah, yeah, the soulmate, the soulmate that I met. We cut things off, we reconnected, then cut things off again. She reached out to apologize for cutting things off the second time. So we reconnected. She got honest about what had happened, and I was like, you know, been there, done that. Um, I'm 35, she's 27. And uh, I was like, I've been there, done that. Like, I'm not mad at you. It's like, I wish you just told me that was going on rather than kind of ghost me or talk a talk like we were going to meet up and have a great time together. And then uh, now, nah, then just be like, you can come down for lunch. That's it. You know? And uh, so she reached out and apologized. Uh, forgave her. I was like, you're going to have to give me some time to trust you again, because that did hurt a little bit. And, um, so we started talking we were talking as friends and then can't help ourselves and start talking about other stuff. And long story short, I flew out here a couple times. Long story longer. Long story longer. Yeah. I flew out here and then out of the blue, I got a call about, from a friend about a job out here again. And, um, you know, I was like, hey, I might be ending up back out here. So I'm willing to give it another shot if you are too. And she was like, yeah, that's cool. And, um, you know, so uh, flew out a second time. Things were going well. Then things started getting weird. And, you know, we, like I said, we have this this trauma bond could talk about anything and everything. And she was got frustrated. It was just like, you know, I always feel like you think there's something wrong with me. And I'm like, no, I just identify. She's like, well, how the hell do you even talk about all this stuff and then feel comfortable with it? And I was like, I've been in therapy for 27 years of my life. And, you know, I've accepted a lot of the things that have happened and dealt with a lot of things that happened. And, um, she's just, so I guess wild, you know, um, I just don't know. It just feels like, and then it turned into like, I feel like you think I'm a monster or something. And I was just like, no, I don't feel that way at all. I'm like, I genuinely care about you. I have a lot of compassion for you. And, you know, everything that you, you've been through in life that we identify with and I enjoy our conversations. So I moved out here three days before I moved out. She cut things off. And uh, it's just like, you know, we're, it became another person. Like, Jekyll and Hyde. The day before this happened, we were talking about Costco memberships, what kind of dogs we would get, name, and then turned in the next day, like, we're bad for each other. And then think about it, flew out, got out here. We talked for an hour on the phone. I just don't know. I don't think I want this and all of that. And she's like, I have to go and get a lunch with my dad. And then uh, we'll talk in a couple of days, like two weeks went by and I'm there like, what the fuck? Like, what did I do? Like, what's wrong with me? So I reached out, Hey, you want to grab lunch or, um, maybe chat? And she says, I'm open for a phone call. And then she just like, we had this phone call and she went off on me. And then right after the phone call, I got blocked. I got blocked on Instagram and I like nothing but kind and just blew me away. And then like I had this emotional bottom where I was crying in the fetal position for like an hour and a half on the ground. Like, what did I do wrong? I'm like, this was a mirror image of who I've been towards people in the past. I've done this to people. Oh my God. Like 
I don't deserve this, but like, I do deserve this because this is the guilt and shame I've carried for the things I've done in relationships in the past and all of that. So that's how I've ended up here. Yeah, I think that's one of the more um, healthier relationships of a, of a guest that I've I've, I've had on. <laughs> that was yeah, that that was toxic. That's that sounds like the perfect relationship to me. Oh yeah. Well, um, so what trait do you most identify in the laundry list? Definitely abandonment. You know the judge myself harshly, low self-esteem stuff. I stuff feelings like a build a bear, you know, Uh guilt. So, so talk about your upbringing. So what did, what did dysfunction look like within your home? For me, this is something in my men's group I discovered recently. I was talking about like, why do I have this fear of abandonment? You know, like, and I, I was reading uh, facing codependence. They did said, do this exercise, right? All of your trauma zero to age 17. So I started doing that after I had that mental breakdown, fetal position, crying thing. And then I got to age 17 and I'm like, you know what? I did so much damage in my twenties. And after I went back drinking, I'm just going to write this sucker right up to 35. But so I looked at it and I'm like, this dysfunction in my family really started, um, I was in special ed. I had all this energy. I jumped out of the window in kindergarten and ran around the school to make other kids laugh and pretended like the teacher never knew. I went to the principal. I got in trouble. My parents got called. I was just like that wild kid throwing stuff in art class and all that. So um, a lot of dysfunction started with that. And then I got put on medication and sedated, for lack of a better term. There was a point I was on like six pills in the morning, seven at lunch, six at night. And um, what were they like? What were they prescribing it? You know, at that, at that point, it was like it started with Ritalin, then it was Adderall. And then I had a doctor that, um, if I had a side effect from a medication, you know, I started having mood swings from Adderall. So, oh, he's got to be bipolar. Let's give him bipolar. Uh, uh, so, anything that had a side effect just got more medication thrown at it. Uh, and, um, you know, most recently, I realized that's where my fear of abandonment comes from was not so much a relationship or parental thing. It was, I felt isolated from normalcy of society and growing up with kids. So it was like, and I finally identified that. So huge. Yeah. Well, would you say that your parents were being like reckless as it came to that? Do you think that they were just doing what they were told or was there also a, their part in there? You know, I, I was talking to my mom last night a little bit about this, just telling her I was getting into this, you know, and just all the different, for whatever reason, everything in the universe lately has been throwing that feeling your feelings and then talking about identities. And um, so I was talking to my mom last night a little bit. I'm like, I'm doing this podcast and I'm just thinking, she's like, uh, well, you know, she offered to write something out about the decisions they had to make while going through all of this. And mm. I was like, you know, it's almost a moot point right now because it happened. It's the past. And, you know, that's so cliche. Well, they did the best they could. At the time, it was very different. Or I'm just justifying what happened. I don't know. It, it was different. And um, like the things that were available in schools then that are available now, like, I'm the kind of kid that would have invented the fidget spinner and then get kicked out of class for being disruptive. Right. And now, so like 
people have like clay to squeeze on and fidget spinners. I'm like, what the fuck? I needed those when I was a kid. Why didn't I have those? Do you feel like your parents treated you differently? You know, that's like where I feel like, geez, they could have their own therapy. I carried so much guilt and shame from growing up that way and that feeling of being different and being told Brian's never going to uh, succeed like normal kids. Brian's going to never. Were you, were they saying these things to you? This is what like doctors and in individual education program was saying to my parents. Were your parents then telling you that? They were just, you know, nodding their head, listening. and. But you would overhear it. That's what I'm saying as a kid. Right. So I'm that little okay. kid in the room, you know, Got doesn't it. know any better. My parents are there. They're going to go to bat for me. And, but they were willing to listen to educated doctors, educated um, psychologists, everything. So they kind of just took the advice as they went. And I feel like that's where I lost my sense of identity along the line. And I never was able to build one. And um, Mm, yeah, the toxic shame. Yeah. And it was always just like, Brian's good with his hands. So give him things to do with his hands kind of deal. Um, And that's like, that's what rolled into my 20s is I never, well, I went to college for two weeks I was exempted from the SATs. At that time, I couldn't get into like a reputable college because I didn't take the SATs. So I went to community college. I was in my addiction with painkillers and alcohol. And I was like, I already learned this shit at the family business. Why the fuck do I need to be here? So I dropped out. Um, My addiction got a lot worse. And my father fired me from the family business. So I went and worked another job. And... um, yeah, ultimately had my bottom, went to rehab, and he let me back at the family business after rehab. And um, but I, I worked there through my twenties, and there was always that story in my head, that toxic shame of yeah, you'll never amount of, to anything. Yeah, I'm never going to be able to function like normal kids. So then I graduated with kids that started businesses that they sold to Microsoft, and you know became successful investors, and all these things, and I just bitter and pissed in my twenties, like I never was allowed to have that. Mm-hmm. How do I know who the hell am I even supposed to be? Mm-hmm. Well, I was never told this is how it's going to be. So in my head, I'm there at the family business. I'm super successful at what I'm doing, but I hate myself. Like this is the only thing I'm able to do. I've never tried anything different. And um, so it was just always, that was in the back of my mind. And I was like, I don't have any pride or healthy esteem in the work I'm doing. And, mm-hmm. that, you, you know, you've got the best shop in the area and um, the best service and, you know, you're the best person to deal with, most friendly. But inside, I'm like, I feel the opposite of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what has healing looked like for you healing for me is just staying involved with meetings you know i'm in a male trauma support group uh, mm-hmm. i'm on this you know getting involved with the aca still going doing my aa thing um mm-hmm. i've got these positive affirmations that pop up every 45 minutes on my phone just to try and start shifting that brain thinking to the more positive things, you know, and really, really, I had to do that journal. It was 60 pages long from age zero to 35 and just get everything down. Wow. 
and put pen to paper and you know I've got a couple different notebooks and like with the different programs I'm doing it's like I need awareness of everything I've done all the things I've been through because I just couldn't and cannot live like that anymore what is a faulty belief that you think you still struggle with and then something else where you feel like you've been able to to shift yeah, a faulty belief is that I'm never going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. Something I've been able to shift is kind of just being where my feet are and being present in the moment, and that's good enough. And I'm right where I'm supposed to be, and everything that happened in the past had to happen to get me to this point right now. What about a book? What's been your, um, uh, a book that's changed your life? Power of Now, um, Eckhart Tolle has been a wonderful one. I, I read it eight years ago. I'm going through it again and, uh, recently. And that's one I, I like to let soak in. So tell me, what are three things that you like about yourself? I have a lot of talents. Um, you know, I can rebuild an engine, build a house. I'm really good at cooking. So just multi-talented person. Um, I have a lot of empathy. Um, and that took a long time to get that, but I'm able to put myself in someone else's shoes. You know, when I was 19, I was homeless. So I could, um, identify with most people. Uh or understand what they're going through and kind of have empathy and sympathy mm-hmm. be relatable uh, if they're in a good mood or a bad mood. And a third thing would be that um, I'm doing all the good things for my life now. And although a lot of horrible or things I've looked at in the past as horrible, miserable things, they had to happen in my life for me to get where I'm at right now to be a good person. And I've, I, I finally have that awareness and clarity. Yeah. Um, so what is a dream, a hope that you have for, well, actually first on a scale of one to 10, how much hope do you have for your future? T- 10 being the highest. Uh, eight. I'm going to go with eight. <laughs> That's good. It's good. You know, I've exhausted every option of trying all different things for other esteem. And it's like, now it's like, Brian, slow the fuck down and really take a look at yourself and get things straightened out before you try and force another peg through a square hole. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so what is a hope that you have for your future? A desire? I have a, a hope and vision for the future for me is just, you know, being compassionate, being able to be helpful to anyone I come uh, across and with loving kindness and, um, you know, really being there for myself, having that self-love that I'm able to give to everyone. Do you have any childhood dreams or anything that you put to the wayside? I've been getting in, back in touch with a lot of that stuff. That's something, you know, I did arts and crafts over the weekend because it's something I used to love to do. And I'm trying to get back in touch with that inner child to where things went awry and like pick up slowly but surely from there and, you know, really love myself again and um, figure out all the things that are best for me that I enjoy and uh, 
keep them going. Well, this has been lovely. Brian with a Y, number one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that wraps up Shit Show Saturday. As always, sign up for the Patreon. That is where I host weekly support groups, and it's where you say thanks, Andrea, for all that you do. Patreon.com slash adult child. Follow me on TikTok and Instagram at adult child pod and give me a damn five star rating on Apple and Spotify. And I will see y'all shit shows on Wednesday. Bye.